0: this room, how many of you went to our guess who's coming to dinner dinners? Raise your hand. Guess who's coming to dinner dinners? Yes. So for those of you who did, you can picture the kind of situation I'm going to talk about. For those of you who didn't, I'd like to tell you two things. One, you missed out on a really good time and good food. Uh, There's that food thing again. And uh, two, you'll have to picture some other situation like the one I'm gonna describe. So you've been in a room, maybe it's work-related, maybe it's a school classroom, but you're in a room, 10, 20, maybe 30 people, and people that you sort of know, but maybe don't know very well. And so the host decides that they want you to get to know each other. And so they have everybody go around and introduce yourself, but you don't just say your name. They want you to ask or answer some question about yourself. So it may be a simple question like tell us your favorite movie or let us know your favorite uh, vacation, uh, favorite place you've ever been. Uh, At our guest who's coming to dinner, dinner, we uh, spent a lot of time, went around the room and we all talked about how we met our spouses and it was a good way to get to know each other. One time when I was at uh, an event, and it was a church-related event, the question that the person hosting the event posed was this. What is your favorite verse in the Bible? And that was actually a really hard question for me because I have a lot of favorite verses in the Bible because I have a lot of verses that have meant different things to me at different points in my life. But as I thought about that, Uh, I did eventually come up with an answer, but in the time since then, I've thought about that question, because that's been years ago, and I've thought about this. I've actually decided that if I wanted to get to know a room full of people, the question I would ask is this. What is your least favorite verse in the Bible? What is the verse or the story in the Bible that you don't like? Now, now you may think that's an odd question. Well, I kind of like to think about things a little differently, and so I come up with odd questions, but, but I actually have a reason why uh, that I like that question, and I'm going to tell you why, but I, I kind of have to go a little bit around to get to it. In our house, we have a saying that my wife Lynn and I say to each other every once in a while, and the saying goes like this, I will always love you, but I may not always like you. We don't say that to each other very often, and when we do, it tends to be at a moment that probably we really don't like each other at the moment. Um, But we say that because we are in a relationship. That's what happens in relationships. It happens between spouses. It happens between parents and children. Honestly, parents, admit it, sometimes your children don't really like you. Um, It happens within a church. We should always love each other, but there are going to be times that we may not like each other. And we are also in a relationship with God. And that's something that took me a long time to learn in life, that we are in a relationship with God. And God uses relationship language over and over to describe how we connect with him. God is our father. We are his children we are brothers and sisters to to Christ we have been adopted into his family we as the church are the bride of Christ God consistently uses relationship language and so the story I would like to talk to you about in my sermon today is the story of Habakkuk now Habakkuk may not be that familiar with you Habakkuk is an Old Testament prophet and uh First, just a few administrative details uh, about Habakkuk. If you're not familiar with the book of Habakkuk and you're working with a printed copy, uh, Habakkuk is the fifth book from the end of the Bible. Or not, sorry, not the end of the Bible, the end of the Old Testament. So the New Testament begins with Matthew. The last book in the Old Testament is Malachi. Uh, Back up one, two, three more books, which I can't remember their names right now. And the fifth book you get back to is Habakkuk. Habakkuk is three chapters long, and I said I want to tell you the story of Habakkuk, but Habakkuk isn't really a story. Nothing happens in the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is not like Jonah and the big fish or Daniel in the lion's den. Habakkuk is a story of a conversation between the prophet Habakkuk and God. And a story of how their relationship develops through this conversation that they have with each other. And so, um, basically, I want to give you a quick outline of the book of Habakkuk. So, this is how it goes Habakkuk has a complaint that he makes to God, God responds. Habakkuk has a follow up complaint that he makes to God, God responds again. And then Habakkuk responds. That's the entire outline of the book. It's a conversation, Habakkuk, God, Habakkuk, God, Habakkuk. I'm specifically not going to tell you a lot about the history around Habakkuk or how he fits into the Bible or who his contemporaries are because I think there's a tendency for us that when we hear, oh, about the history of the Bible, that we make it history that it's something that happened way in the past and it doesn't have anything to do with our lives here today. Um, So I'm only going to tell you one fact about Habakkuk. And that fact is this. Habakkuk lived at a time where the people of God were walking away from God and committing more sin. They were coming more and more into sin. So the people of God are walking away from God and, and into more sin. And so, I'll leave it up to you to kind of decide how you think that fits to today's world. Um, but that's the background. So, let's start with Habakkuk's complaint. So, we are in Habakkuk chapter 1. Hopefully, you've found it. And, and by the way, if you're on your mobile device, just find the index. Go to the end of the Old Testament. Count back five. You're at Habakkuk. So... Uh, Okay, we have Habakkuk's complaint, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. That is Habakkuk's complaint. And we can see it in there pretty clearly. There is violence. There is injustice in the courts. And people are being harmed. Innocent people are being harmed. But before we move off of the complaint, I'd like to uh, focus in on verse 3. And I would like to tell you verse 3, but I would like to tell you verse 3 in ways that Habakkuk did not say. This is what Habakkuk did not say in verse 3. Habakkuk could have said this. He could have said, God, I know all sin is against you. I know every time somebody commits a sin, it's an offense to you, and it hurts you. God, how can you look at all the sin that's going on around us, and how can you tolerate it? Habakkuk could have said that in verse 3. He didn't. Habakkuk could have said, I look around at all these things that are happening. I look around at the injustice I look around at the violence, I think about the victims of violence, the innocent children, the people. I look at all these things, and I say, how can you you let these things happen to all these people who are being harmed? Habakkuk could have said that. He didn't. I want us to look again at verse 3, and what Habakkuk actually does say. What he says is, Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you make me look at injustice? Two points I'd like to make about what Habakkuk says right here. One, uh, I think there's a tendency of us to look at people in the Bible and think that they're in the Bible because they have everything put together. They have everything figured out. Habakkuk is not there. If you really look at verse 3, this is a very selfish statement. He's looking around at all these terrible things that are happening, and he says, really, why, why do I have to look at this? Why are you making me look at this? That is really a position of, of selfishness. He is not in a place of emotional and spiritual maturity. When he starts this journey, this discussion with God, and that's where we are. And that's human life. I mean, we understand that if we look at human life. Mike talked about his newborn infant. When we are born into this world, we are inherently selfish. We want what we want right now. And if we don't get it, we're going to cry until we do. That's, that's how we come into this world. And the Christian life isn't that different. We start out from a place of, of selfishness. And that's where Habakkuk starts this journey that he's going on through this book with God. And that's the complaint he makes. The second point I'd like to make about this is before we get too hard on Habakkuk and what he says, I think we have to look at ourselves. Because if you've spent any time in the Christian world, in America, in modern-day America, excuse me, if you've spent time, you understand that you've sat in this discussion. You've sat in the discussion where people have said, this country is going to pot. And isn't it terrible? It's bad that we're going, it's going to pot. But the conversation then turns into, isn't it terrible as Christians that we have to live in this kind of culture? And yeah, maybe it is. But really, the sin is against God. And the sin is against innocent people. It, it, it's unfortunate, but it really isn't about us. And that is where Habakkuk starts this. So Habakkuk gives this complaint. Um, God responds to him. And God responds to him uh, in verses, thank you, uh, five through a good portion of the rest of the chapter, but I'm only going to read verses five and six. We can get God's response pretty much from verses five and six in Habakkuk. So five and six say this. This is God's response to Habakkuk. Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. Effectively, God's response is this. Yes, I have seen the sin, and I will judge. And here's how I'm going to judge. You know, these, this nation, these Babylonian people that have been conquering your neighbors and taking them into slavery and taking them away, killing them, I'm going to come and I'm going to bring them, and they are going to conquer your people. And they are going to take your people away into slavery, and they are going to take you out of your homeland. That's God's response. Now, it's hard to tell in the printed text just exactly how time passes, but between there and God's response uh, in chapter, or excuse me, Habakkuk's second complaint in chapter 12, or verse 12, verse 12 of 1, between there, I think there's a pause because I think Habakkuk needs a little bit of time to understand exactly what God has told him. If if I went to God with a complaint and God doesn't give me the answer that I'm expecting, I would need a little bit of time to absorb it. So I don't know whether 10 minutes passes or 10 days or 10 months. But at some point, Habakkuk comes back to God with a second complaint. So he's heard God's answer, and he comes back with a second complaint. And, yes, verse 12 We'll start with God's or with Habakkuk's second complaint. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? This, Habakkuk starts this, and this sounds like praise. It, it sounds like he is recognizing who God is, and he's starting to praise him. But I really think if you look at this, the situation is a little more like this. Uh, you're sitting around your house, and uh, one of your children comes up to you and they tell you, thank you for dinner tonight, it was really good. And then they tell you, they thank you for something else and for helping them. And after a little bit, if you're like me, I admit I'm a bit cynical, uh, but if you're like me, two thoughts run through your head. Uh, The first is, uh, who are you and what have you done with my child? the second is, what do you want? And that's really what I think Habakkuk is doing at this point. His praise is really about buttering up God. It's about kind of, let's, let's see if I can smooth my way in. I'll kind of remind you, God, of who you are. And then I'm going to turn around, and then he gives him his argument. How can you use those who are more wicked than us to punish us? That's his argument. And then Habakkuk says what is, it's not my favorite verse in here, but it's the verse that makes me smile. Uh, He finishes up his argument in uh, chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look and see what he will say to me and what answer I am going to give to this complaint. This is Habakkuk this is my phrasing of what Habakkuk says at this point. I've given you a good argument, God, and I'm going to sit down here and wait because you owe me an answer. Give it to me. That's how I kind of read Habakkuk right here. So he's, he's started to praise God, but he really still has kind of this expectation and this demand of God. God responds. Thankfully, God is infinitely patient, and uh, he patiently responds his response goes on for most of the rest of the chapter but we can really he uses a lot of imagery in here we don't necessarily follow or understand but out of verses 8 and out of verses 16 uh, we can pretty much get Habakkuk or God's response to Habakkuk he's talking about the Babylonians and in this he itemizes the sins of the Babylonians He's telling Habakkuk, yeah, I understand who they are and what they've done and the terrible things they've done, but I have a plan. And here's what he says. He's talking, God is talking to the Babylonians. Because you have plundered many nations, the people who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. And then verse 16. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. So what God says at this point is, he's telling Habakkuk, I understand what you're saying. I I get it. But I have a plan. I have a long-range plan that's bigger than you can imagine and bigger than you can think. And this is what happens to us in our lives. There's times that we go to God and we have something and we want it now because as humans, our time frame is short. Our, our, we just don't have that long of a window. God sees generations ahead. He knows the decisions that he makes and the moves that he makes, how they're going to affect our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren if the Lord doesn't, ret- if the Lord doesn't return. He knows how these decisions and the things that he do are going to ripple across people we may not even know who they are or recognize the change that's happened. So God has a plan. And that's really what he's saying to Habakkuk. I have a plan. And at this point, Habakkuk is at a decision. And we when we get to this point, we are at a decision. I'm going to circle back to the question that I said at the beginning the verse that you don't like this is really what's happened for Habakkuk at this point Habakkuk has gone to God and he's made his complaint and he does not like God's response and I think if he's really if he's honest with himself if we will be honest with ourselves there are points in our lives where we don't like the response God gives us and maybe in that brief period of time, we have to, if we are honest with ourselves, we have to admit that we really don't like God at this moment. But here's what I'll say. Um, I actually have a fairly long list. It's, It's a reasonably long list anyway, of verses and stories in the Bible that when I've read them, I've looked at them and I've said, what are you talking about, God? I don't get it. What, what happened in this story? I, you know, I don't know. But those are the moments, those are the times for me where I have learned more about myself and more about God than from any other place. It's the times where I've had to wrestle with God, with what he's trying to say. Because a lot of times when I read the Bible and something in it doesn't really line up with what I thought about God, it's because I haven't, thought about God the right way. And see, this is the difference in relationships. If, if Lynn and I are in this moment where we don't like each other, it could be my fault. Probably is. Um, it, it, it could be, maybe, 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 could be her fault. Maybe. <laughs> Smile at her. Um, but In our relationship with God, if if we're in a point where we're in contention with God, the problem is not with God. God is perfect. He is who He is. He sees everything. He created everything. And it's these moments where we have to choose one of two responses. We have to choose to either stubbornly stay in, this is what I'm going to believe, and this is where I'm at, or we do some self-evaluation. And so, I'd like to finish now the book of Habakkuk and see what Habakkuk's response is and how Habakkuk responds. It's not clear in... Uh oh, sorry. Can you back up one, ver- one slide? Oh, there's a missing slide. Okay, I'll read it to you. It's not clear from this one uh, Who's speaking? This is at the end of God speaking, and it's not clear whether it's him or whether it's Habakkuk. I think it's actually Habakkuk. Here's what Habakkuk says. It's in, I believe it's in verse 10 of 2. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. This is now where Habakkuk realizes who he is and who God is. This is the point where we begin to see growth. He recognizes his position before God. And then he continues in chapter 3. Oh, it was there. Okay. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. This is the point where Habakkuk has finally gotten it. This is why I like the book of Habakkuk. Because we can see him grow through here. We can see him start from a period of selfishness. God doesn't answer his question the way he wants. But he turns around and he recognizes who God is and what God has to say. And then he worships God. Just like we've done here, he worships God. I stand in awe of your deeds. Then he finishes Um, And this is Habakkuk's really true, great profession of faith at the end of his book. Verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Habakkuk says, God, you are worthy of following. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy of everything, even if I get no benefits out of it. Not in this life anyway. There, are always, there will be benefits to serving God whenever, but it may not come in this lifetime." It may not come until the next life. And that's what Habakkuk realizes, that God, you are worthy of my service, even though nothing may work out the way I want to. So there are two places where we can be in that dislike with somebody. One of them is the situation that we talked about here. We ask somebody to do something, and they say no. The second situation where we can be in dislike with somebody, in disagreement with somebody, in a relationship, is when they ask us to do something and we really don't want to. And that can be with a spouse or whatever. That can be with us and God. There are times and there are people in this room, and you know who you are, you've asked God for something and God has not answered the way you want. And we've talked about that. But the alternate situation is this. There are times God is going to ask you to do something, and it's not something you're comfortable with. As Brandon would like to say, as he did last week, you're here and your comfort zone is over there. God is going to ask us to do things like that. And if we're honest with ourselves, we may not like him in that moment. But that is our chance for growth. And so I would like to say this, that we have been through a lot as a church in the last few years. And I believe that that is to bring us to a point where we are ready to grow. And Brandon has stood up here on this stage and we as elders have said, we want to be a community. We want to be in community groups Because we are better together than we are apart. So I want to circle all the way around back to the beginning, to the very video. I believe that God is asking all of us to find a way. It may be community groups. It may be through teaching youth. It may be through both. There are ways to get into community with God's children. That is what God asks us to do. It's what he wants us to do. And it may put us outside of our comfort zone, but that is what God is asking. And so I just pray that you trust and listen, that you find a way in where you are at right now to get involved, to get plugged in, Brandon said something a couple of weeks ago in a sermon that may have slipped by and you may not have caught it, but I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to repeat it. He said, we, we want to be the place where you can be plugged in. We want to be that place. But if for whatever reason we can't be, if, if you can't be plugged in here, find a place where you can be. Find a place where you can be in community with people because that is how we live out the Christian life. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come before you and just pray for your message and your word. We pray that your word would sink in to every heart that's here and everyone who hears this. And we pray that as a church, that we continually be bonded closer together with each other and with you in your love.